My daughter, Christine, started high school this year, and one of her delights is to have her own laptop. She needs to take her own device to the school because the school no longer provides laptops to students. But using a new personal laptop made her overflow with the problems for me to solve. Dad, my laptop is freezing. Help me. Dad, my touch mouse doesn't work. Dad, I can't log into my account. Dad, I can't connect to my Wi-Fi. Dad, Dad. And the other kids just mimicking, Dad, Dad. <laughs> I'm not an IT guy, as you know, but I know a very simple tip to solve those issues. Sweetie, press the reset button. Reboot. You can restart it again in an initialized system. So usually this suggestion works well. And Christine continues to say her dad is a superhero. Like the computer reset button, People sometimes wish to initialize their lives at those times when they have a mess in their relationships, workplace, married lives, or financial situation. They just wish they could start again on a fresh page, especially when their lives are tough, to begin again as we do when we press the reset button for a computer problem. But of course, it doesn't happen that way in real life. We need to deal with our personal problems and resolve the mess in our lives. In Isaiah chapter 4, we see God doing a similar sort of thing to restore what's broken. Like a conservationist, God uses Isaiah to expose his healing and restoration work to the people of Judea. He will do what needs to be done for them. He will make a new creation with a new people and a new created giant. God tells us that he himself is going to heal the filth of his people and cleanse their blood stains. Let's have a look at what Isaiah has to say, how God uses him to expose hope and bring it to light from verse 2. In that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of the survivors in Israel. The people of Judea living in the city of Zion might have been surprised to hear Isaiah addressing a prophecy about the day of the Lord to them. Israel was supposed to become God's treasured possession and a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. However, Isaiah keeps talking about the day of the Lord from chapter 2 because the people had failed in their leadership among the nations, and the city was marked as a doomed city. Their pride had been the reason for their destruction and their ruin. 
As we heard last week, the previous prophecy of the inevitable judgment in chapter 3 portrayed a picture of darkness, darkness and darkness. Now once again, the same words are repeated. Have a look at the first section of verse 2. In that day. But this is contrary to all the expectation about that day we have heard so far. Following these words is a message about glory and survival in the midst of God's wrath. Does that surprise you? In the past, God's wrath had resulted in them losing everything, including their city and wealth. In God's wrath, you might expect a total destruction. Actually, there are two sides to this coin, his punishment and his new creation. Even more than this, the day shows that God's love to his people is much bigger than their sin and much stronger than the power of sin. In his new creation, the Lord, who is also full of mercy, sows a seed of hope. This message from God was completely unexpected. When I was in Korea, I visited a hospital ICU ward on a couple of occasions. If you have been in an intensive care unit, you know how the medical team look after the patients. There is nothing much the patients can do. All the activity is focused simply on the keeping the people alive. The family members just have to step back. There is nothing they can do either. That's why we need a professional medical team to look after the patients. To restore the patient's health, we need a professional team to do the work. God's restoration work for his people started from himself and with himself because the people of Judea are like the patients in the ICU. Neither the people of Judea nor the city of Zion can do much to help. So how does God do this work? He does it through the branch of the Lord. This is a very figurative language, isn't it? In Japan, bonsai is very popular. If you are people with an interest in gardening, you might know about it. It's a Japanese art form using miniature trees grown in containers like this. It looks very big size, but it's very tiny actually, it's very uh, miniature, and like this. Wow, isn't it beautiful? Yeah. Have you seen examples of bonsai? I have seen it here in Australia as a part of the Floriat display in Canberra. The basic idea of bonsai is to plant a branch of trees in a tray or a low-sided pot and keep it growing. It gives people the joy of watching beautiful branches in small pot 
and, uh, and of contemplating them as they grow. Like bonsai, God himself will plant his own branch in the land to restore his people. The branch of the Lord, the Messiah, springs from the Lord. It grows out of God's grace to his people and to us. It is the fruit of grace and therefore a testimony to grace. The real and lasting produce of Israel is God's gift. That's why it will be beautiful and glorious. This is not the result of Israel's own fruitfulness and power. The branch will be by far more beautiful than any of the bonsai trees or branches we have ever seen. The branch will be glorious because the glory of God is another expression of God's presence with them. The true beauty and glory would be seen when God himself appeared. On the other hand, the Lord's branch springs from the family tree of David. Have a look at the second section of verse 2, the fruit of the land. God's branch will be planted in Israel and it will grow from that land. In other words, this metaphor expresses the human side of the ancestry of the Messiah. So Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1 makes it clear. Have a look at it. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. It is pointing to the Messiah arising out of this created order and as a working out of this truly surprising saving work of the Lord. Do you remember that the women of Zion sought a force, transient beauty in chapter 3, verse 18? But now they discern true beauty in the Messiah. As a result, he will become the pride and the glory for the survivors. If you remember the pride of the leaders of Jerusalem, isn't this ironic? The pride was the main reason for their ruin and the glory for their destruction. Let's get back to chapter 2, verses 12 and 10. The Lord Almighty has a day in store for all the proud and lofty, for all that is exalted, and they will be humbled. And verse 10, Go into the rocks, hide in the ground from, the, from dread of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty. But now, those two words point to a great change arising from the work of the branch. The divine glory will dwell among them again. And the true beauty, true pride, not their pride, will be imparted into their hearts through the Messiah to dignify them. So how does the, the restoring work of the Lord activate? He's talking to the remnant in Jerusalem and he says, you will be called holy. They are going to be changed from the rebel to the holy. His restoration 
plan for them continues with the idea of holiness because the identity of God's people was to be a holy nation as in Exodus 19.6. So God commands his people Be holy because I, the Lord of your God, am holy. The holiness of God should be evidenced in the behavior of the whole community. But his people failed to reflect this. More than that, they seemed incapable of doing it. What should be done? How will it be possible for them to be called holy? Come with me to verse 4. The Lord will wash away the filth of women of Zion. He will cleanse the blood stains from Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of fire. See what God is going to do. He promises to wash away the filth of his people. He promises to cleanse the blood stains of Jerusalem. Whether they have inner uncleanness like the filth or are outwardly unclean as with blood stains, it is certain that God will remove their uncleanness. Although they failed in reflecting the holiness of God, He doesn't give up on them because of their mess. Rather, God will fix their problem and initialize their identity as a new people of God. This is good news, isn't it? This is the gospel. The Lord God starts his restoration work right from the point at which they failed. They are restored not by their religious system, which was based on their own achievements, but by God's own initiative and grace through the branch. As Christians, Probably this is a truth we all know in our heads or hearts. But our practice so often reflects an assumption that our actions are what matters. If we think our works are central to our salvation, then our activity will always seem more important than God's grace. And that's the whole point through the branch of the Lord, God is saying, you want to reset your life? You want to fix the mess in your life? You want to restore your brokenness? The Lord God will do this on your behalf. And the activate button has been given to you already. Just press the button. When you press the branch of the Lord button, you can reset everything and you will be joining with God's new family. And with this new people, God will create the new Zion, the new Jerusalem. That's where it's all headed. God is making a new city. Have a look at verse 5. Then the Lord will create of all of mountain Zion and of those who assemble there a cloud of smoke by day and a glue of flaming fire by night. Over everything, the glory will be a canopy. As you probably noticed, 
this verse is an overlapping of the Exodus imagery. Isaiah speaks this message with imagery from Israel's history told in Exodus. That was the time when God made Israel his treasured possession and a holy nation. The time when God made a covenant with his people. The time when the Lord camped among his people. In this sense, the pillar of cloud and fire, which were overshadowed by the divine presence, have established a sense of continuity with the past covenant. However, there is a much bigger picture here. God will make the cloud a canopy, which covers all of Mount Zion and those who assemble there. God's glory no longer resides within the temporal area. It now extends to include all who worship God. The overwhelming message of this last section is that God is king. He is true king of his people and king of all nations and universe. He is the one who is truly in control in this world. The canopy of cloud and fire will also be a source of comfort to the new people. Have a look at verse 6. It will be a shelter and shade from the heat of the day, and a refuge and hiding place from the storm and rain. God will manifest his glory as a protective shield of those who seek him. With the new creation, there is an open access into shelter, which means the idea of free access to God. In every circumstance of life, whether one's needs are ordinary or extraordinary, there is a shelter with the Lord. God is there to care for and to protect his people. The members of God's new family can share God's glorious indwelling through Messiah the French. So friends, here in Isaiah 4, God promises that he's going to bring a great restoration to the failed people and to the doomed city. Do you see God's big picture here? God has already started his rehabilitating work with the branch which had been planted in Israel. And the truth is that the branch of God is Jesus Christ as his birth, life, cross, and resurrection has proved. With the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, we see how this prophecy of Isaiah about the branch of the Lord came to fulfilled. Simon gave praise and proclaimed that he had seen God's glory to the people of Israel when he saw the baby Jesus in Luke 2.32. Jesus removed the deserved punishment for our sin, which is only possible on the cross, because like the patients in ICU, we need Jesus, the rehabilitator, in order to restore our lives. 
His death on the cross made us righteous and holy. In Jesus, the branch, we became a new people, and we will be joining in the greatest moment of the glorious new creation in that day as his new people. As a result, if we are in Christ, we have already tasted part of the prophecy about the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is not only a day of punishment, but also a day of restoration. It came to begin to shine light on the darkness. In other words, the day of the Lord is an expression of the time when the Lord comes and fights for his people to be restored. That's what I want to show you today, friends. We have the reset button for the mess in our lives. Jesus Christ, the branch of the Lord, can restore us from the mess in our lives and help us to start again in accessing God's glory on a fresh page. To rehabilitate our lives, we need to find the beauty and the glory of Jesus, the branch, that both meets our deepest need to be healed and allows us to be restored in his glory. No one who doesn't press the Lord branch will survive. No one outside of Jesus the branch will ever see true beauty and join God's glory. No one outside of Jesus the branch is able to access God the shelter. Let me finish with a story. When I was in a primary school in Korea, I had a couple of immunization injections. One of them was a shot against TB, tuberculosis. In the 1980s, TB took many lives of children in Korea. So there was a school immunization session. It's a long time ago. But the injection was known to be a very scary thing to the children because it used a glass needle which was disinfected by the fire of alcohol lamp in front of the keys. So it was called the fire injection. Most of my generation has a scar on their shoulder. So if we have Korean friends like my generation, probably they got. <laughs> the response to the fire injection was chaos. Children were crying, running away, and closing their eyes, and so on. But there was one kid who kept coming back to the end of his line. When he was close to his turn, he quickly left the front of the queue and returned to the end of the line again and again. He tried to do his best to avoid or to delay the time of his injection. But he couldn't prevent the eventual injection time from coming. The fire injection is something like the day of the Lord. On the one hand, it is kind of a scary thing. On the other hand, it is a saving experience. And it is definitely coming. It has started already. So what's your response 
in that day, like my old schoolmate, do you want to keep postponing the decision and keep coming back to the end of the line? Do you want to delay it for a while and reside on the hopeless mass punishment side of the coin? Or do you want to reside on the new creation, the rehabilitation side of the coin, restored by the blood of Jesus and joined with the whole glorious giant with its holy people? Let's pray. Father, thank you for not abandoning us in our rebellion. Lord Jesus, may all who are living in the darkness be drawn to you through the goodness shining from the beauty and glory of you. Thank you for your rehabilitating work so that we can be a new people of God. Thank you for the joy of heavenly moments in your new creation and the promise of the sharing your glory there. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.